You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where you'll learn how you can use direct-to-fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label, radio, airplay, touring, or press. And I'm your host, John Ojaka. All right, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to episode number 35 of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to report your music to SoundScan uh, if you're selling music from your own website without a record label or distributor or someone who can report that for you. I'm not talking about selling through CD Baby or Bandcamp or iTunes or any of these other sites that, once more, uh, will report those sales for you. I'm talking about when you've just got uh, your own Buy Now button that you've set up uh, on your own website, but you want to make those sales count. This is something that is a little more difficult, or at least historically has been a little more difficult than it should be. If you want to go and and, uh, report directly, you got to set up with Nielsen. It's really expensive, uh, at least for the average independent musician, uh, and it's a pain in the butt. You got to constantly be sending things in, um, and uh, it's it's just one of those things that Almost nobody is going to be doing um, uh, if if they're on their own and and trying to report as an indie. Um, and there there was a solution out there, and it's something that I mentioned in my course, Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0. However, some number of months ago, um, that solution became no longer viable, at, at least to my understanding. They haven't said much on their site uh, about what exactly has happened, but the reports are that that. Uh, that's no longer a viable option. So for the last few months, um, as independent artists, we've really been kind of left in the lurch. If you want to chart on Billboard, uh, you really don't uh, have any option other than going through a distributor. But if you're a follower of the MMM strategy that that I teach, then you don't really want to do that because you will you will have seen that you can actually um, make a lot more money if you control that that customer, if you control that sales process and you can, for example, position uh, or, or proposition your uh, new customers after they buy an album with an upsell, something that, uh, you know, we can't do when we're selling through uh, most of these other platforms. We can't redirect them back to our site. Uh, however, we can do that when we use our own uh, shopping cart. We also um, can control the email autoresponder integration. We can tag people. We can apply all kinds of advanced marketing techniques when we control the customer uh, instead of just handing that customer over to some other service. And so th- that's something that I, I advocate, something that I teach. And uh, again, the one bummer uh, over the last few months is that uh, reporting to SoundScan has been hard. And this is this is a shame because it is relatively easy to chart as an independent artist if you can build a fan base of even just a few thousand people. Uh, it depends, of course, on the chart and the week and everything else. But, uh, you know, if you can move 500 or 1,000 units, depending on the chart you're going after, you might land yourself a top 10 billboard sales uh, position. And that's significant. It, it opens doors, it creates a story, and it helps you get to that next rung in your career as you go from an artist with almost no following to an artist with a following to an artist with a, a regional following to hopefully an artist with a, a national and then international following. There are steps along the way. Uh, and one of those steps is showing the industry that there is a story there and charting is part of that story. So um Fortunately, there is a new solution out there, a relatively new solution. Uh, it's called uh, Single Music, and it's actually a Shopify app soon to become uh, integrated with other platforms. So in today's episode, uh, I had the chance to chat with the company's CEO. This is Tommy Stalneck. I had a great conversation. This is, frankly, one of the, the meatier conversations I've had on the show. Uh, uh, really, really great conversation. Enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I, I learned a few things. And I think you guys will uh, uh, also. We talked about the pros and cons of different platforms and different strategies, and you get a couple of between the two of us a couple of different perspectives and uh, on the best way to sell music. And I think uh, it'll make a few light bulbs go off for you guys. And if nothing else, uh, if you're sitting there going, "How the hell do I report my music to uh, SoundScan without going through uh, one of these other companies out there?" Like CD Baby or Bandcamp or, or or somebody else who ultimately controls that sale process, 
single music makes that really easy to do. Um, so as I say, it's a pretty meaty conversation. I don't want to take up too much uh, more time setting the interview up. Uh, we're going we're gonna to jump over to that momentarily. Uh, before we do, I just kind of want to once again remind you guys, if you enjoy this podcast, do please head on over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to it and leave a rating and review. Those things really do help. Uh, of course, the podcast is now also on Spotify, so you can listen to it there. Uh, and if, you're, if you've come across this podcast for the first time and perhaps you're not familiar with uh, myself and Music Marketing Manifesto and, and all that I do there, head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for a free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. It's a free uh, 25-minute video presentation that well, walks you through the strategies that, that I not only teach but uh, uh, have applied to my own career and the careers of many, many clients to uh to to a, a, a substantial degree of success so um that's about it uh we're going to take a brief musical break and when we return we're going to be talking to tommy stallneck from single music back in a sec you're listening to the music marketing manifesto podcast All right, on the line with me is Tommy Stallneck from uh, Singles uh, Singles Music. There I go saying plural again. From Single Music. Tommy, thanks for being here uh, on the call with, with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, as you know, I was I was excited to chat with you because reporting to SoundScan is one of the it's it's surprisingly difficult for independent artists. It's expensive if you want to try to go and set up shop on your own and there really are not many solutions out there in fact while while I may be missing some you may be the only solution or at least easy solution that I'm aware of for independent artists who want to report their own sales and I don't know um well let's let's before I ask too many questions or steer us down too many of the the wrong the wrong tracks uh, why don't you just kind of tell us a little bit about you know who you are your company and what it is that you do yeah, sure. So um, we're based in Nashville, Tennessee. My co-founder and I, we actually went to Middle Tennessee State down here for recording industry. Uh, he left to go get a CS degree after that, and uh, I left and actually started working for an agency in Nashville as an account manager, working with a lot of the, the top-tier country artists. And ultimately with that agency, uh, they had three divisions. One was the merchandiser, then there was a soft good, uh, uh, an e-commerce filming company, and then the side that I oversaw was the website for musicians. And while I was working there, I saw all the, the issues that we were having with our Shopify clients on the e-com side of things. And I just said, this is ridiculous. Why don't we just make a solution for that? Mm -hmm. And that's really just what set out me calling up my buddy and saying, hey, this is I've got this idea. Let's build it. And that's kind of what we built. Right. Well, very cool. Yeah, I know. So uh, I have a, a program, of course, called Music Marketing Manifesto. It's in, in, in its fourth edition, which is the current one, which is MMM 4.0. Uh, I recommended a service called Indie Hitmaker, which did allow artists to report directly. But um, my understanding, la last I knew, they ran into some trouble and basically lost their ability to report. Um, again, last I knew. So right now, every everybody who, again, is an independent artist and uh, using these strategies is really kind of stuck, stuck in the mud. And... Um, on, on the one hand, the good news is that a lot of the artists that are using these direct-to-fan or direct-response marketing kind of strategies really do have the potential to chart. You know, if you've got a mailing list of 10,000 fans and you can send out, uh, or it doesn't even take that, um, a few thousand fans and you and you have a good relationship with those fans, you send out an email, you're going to um, stand a very good chance of charting, at least, you know, depending on how competitive the chart is and, and whatnot. But I've, I've had many, many clients now uh, climb to the top of various uh, billboard charts, and it's really exciting to see. And it does open doors, and it helps to build the story, if nothing else, um, for that artist. But, uh, you know, as I've touched on, reporting is, is really difficult. What I haven't looked into it in years. And frankly, I never really knew that much about it to begin with. What are the obstacles if somebody just wants to, leaving your solution aside for a moment, if I want to just go and start reporting to, to Nielsen, how, how, how much of a pain is that and how expensive is it? And can I even do it as an individual? Uh, 
You can do it. It is a, a bit of a pain in the hassle. You have to set up an account with them, both for physical sales and then a separate account for digital sales and a separate account for digital international sales through them. And then you have, you have to set up a direct feed to the sales to where you send, you can either send them in manually or you can use a service like ours to automate it. But mm-hmm. you can, if you wanted to make an automated solution, you have to make it to where you send a report to them on a daily basis automatically, dropping it them into their file system, and then mm-hmm. they take those orders. So it's, it's a fairly convoluted process for the average person. Right. And isn't it quite expensive? It Well, I mean, I think the price per year, uh, the individual services is a couple grand. Mm-hmm. And so, it, I mean, it's not cheap. And so... Well, for the, yeah, for the average, totally for the average independent musician, I mean, a couple of, a couple thousand dollars to report what for many, frankly, is, you know, a couple thousand dollars worth of sales is, uh, is, yeah, exactly. is pretty brutal. Yeah, definitely. And so that's kind of where we tried to simplify that stuff. And the other part of it too, and I think it was more complicated than just sending in the sales reports is there's a myriad of rules that are fairly opaque that mm-hmm. we over time had to kind of learn ourselves and have conversations with Nielsen to figure out. And now we have a fantastic rapport with them. I'm familiar with some of the issues that other services that are no longer available have had. And we really just avoided that by being open and transparent and honest with Nielsen about what we were doing. And then we did as much as we could to work with their team to make sure that our software was compliant with all of the rules that they they have. Right, right. Well, very cool. I, and I know, you know, we've kind of danced around it a little bit and, and certainly I've, I've described it a bit in the introduction and whatnot, but tell us what you do. So if, if we grab, uh, so currently um, the only way to use um, single music is as an app through Shopify. And you can talk more about that and the the uh, other platforms you hope to release to soon. But what, you know, how does it work? How does it help me as a musician? Like walk me through the process of using yeah. your service. Absolutely. So for those unfamiliar, Shopify is probably the fastest growing, like build it yourself website or web store platform on the internet. They've got about, I think, 800,000 users was the last time they talked about it. It's a massive company and you could use it for anything from selling t-shirts to selling jewelry. Sure. And the vast majority of large artists are moving towards that platform, either from their label doing it, their personal team is doing it and because of the ease of use for it. There's a lot of different extendability, putting it in Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. But they have an app store environment similar to the one that's on your phone. And there just was not a solution for selling music directly to your fans and having it report and having it be a good experience for both you and the fan before we came along and built it. So what we primarily do are three things. And we've got some more stuff on the way, but we've got direct-to-consumer digital sales, all white-labeled, so a fan can go directly to the artist's website. They're not going to our platform. They're not going to single.com or anything like that. And they can purchase the music, full lossless quality, directly from the artist and have it received directly from them, so they're paying the artist directly. Mm -hmm. We'll also report physical sales, so CDs, cassettes, vinyl, all still sell, and we make sure that those will count and Mm -hmm. We report those sales on a daily basis. And then the last thing is bundling of a digital copy with any physical goods. So Shopify allows you to sell T-shirts or any of that kind of stuff. So you could sell T-shirts, attach a digital record to it, and now you've turned those T-shirts into scannable record sales on the charts. Right, right. Fantastic. Um, and what you know, what's the actual mechanical process? So where do I go? Who do I sign up with? How do, how do I get my music uploaded? And you know, how, how's it all actually working behind the scenes? Sure. So we have a direct integration through their app store. So it's a one-click install. Uh, I mean, I guess to take a step back would be if you don't have a Shopify store, you can go to shopify.com and sign up for a trial if you wanted to give us a try. And you can create an account, spin up a store, and then the next thing that you would do would be installing single through their app store. And once you do that, our system is what you use to handle things like the digital side of things. So you can upload your records to us. We'll transcode them from Wave into MP3 and FLAC and the the formats that your fans want to download in. 
And then what happens is, is we'll push those as pro- purchasable product in your store. So the mm-hmm. fan comes to your website, they can buy the record from you. And the best way that I just tried to describe it is that we're kind of like FedEx for the dig- digital files. Right, right. So fan buys from you, they pay you directly. My company basically just delivers those files and you pay us a fee to deliver those files and report those sales to SoundScan. Gotcha. So you're the delivery mechanism and basically by syncing your app up with my Shopify store, anytime somebody purchases it, the API presumably from Shopify sends you some code which releases the tracks and when those tracks are released that whatever data is associated with them gets passed on to Shopify. I mean not Shopify but uh, SoundScan, something along those lines. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, we don't share or send out any personally identifiable information or anything like that. Only right, things that right. are required by Nielsen for reporting is the the UPC of the release and how many were purchased and the, the zip code of the, the purchaser. So that right. way they know uh, where it was. But yeah, I mean, so basically we just validate against those. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've been able to create a really good relationship with Nielsen is because we took their rules and automated them. Sure. So we have, we have no kind of vested interest in trying to get our license revoked because we gamed the system for an individual artist. We just try to make tools that make it easier for the artist to have their stuff count. Right. I mean, in a way talking to what you had said earlier, there's different charts that you can get a number one record on. And we actually have a, a client that uses the platform called Peter Holland's. He's a, a fairly successful YouTuber. I think he's got about 2 million followers now. And he does classical acapella stuff. And it was, he was selling through his store. It was before he even knew that we existed. It was his week one of sales. And then they said, oh crap, we need to make sure that these sales are going to be scanning to SoundScan. They did a quick Google search, just like you said, we're basically the only thing that exists. They found us and we were able to help him get a number one record in basically in one night by wow. making sure that his sales got counted. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, most of the most of the clients that I've worked with, um, well, there's there have been two sort of scenarios. One was in the past where everyone was using any hitmaker that again, last I knew, could no longer report. Um and then the other is with labels that have their own, you know, connection to Nielsen and are reporting directly, or at least their distributors are reporting directly, uh, and all of that reporting was going through them. So I've never really personally had to deal with any of it, but I certainly know um, it's it's a pain and it's become very difficult in the last oh I don't know six months or so since the the one channel that I, I that I did know about has has gone away. Um, and again, I don't I, I hope that's still accurate as far as I know it is. Um, well, but, fortunately, so I know I know what um, Indie Hitmaker and what they were offering, and right. I guess by the time this podcast goes out, this will probably be announced by us. Who knows? Uh-huh. Now you're uh-huh. getting the, the sneak preview. Nice. But we're about to release Buzz Angle, Buzz Angle reporting into our system. Uh-huh. So, uh, in preparation for the Rolling Stone charts and the other uh, and the other data that Buzz Angle. Is able to give. We're going to be baking that in because I know that Indie Hitmaker was one of the only people that touted having both of those, and we will actually now have both of those as well. Oh, fantastic! That's that's great. Um, well, how does this? How do you? How does it work when an artist has got you know they're touring and they're selling albums that they also want to have. Um, reported to, to Nielsen how I know that obviously there's not going to be a direct integration there but how how does one report those other sales and make sure that they're counted against whatever uh, UPC codes or whatever it is that you guys are ultimately using and, and passing to Nielsen sure so currently there is an exclusivity for a company that uh, for venue based sales and it's something that I would love for Nielsen to allow us to do mm-hmm. so I don't want to get too in-depth on that question because it's something that I'm actively working on. Right, right. Okay. Um, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to pry just a little bit harder because I, and I'm going to leave what you, said, right. uh, what you said alone. But, I mean, there are going to be artists that go, this solution only makes sense to me if I can report all those sales that I'm making from touring. So do they have sure. – whether, whether it's through you or through another company – as it stands right now, leaving whatever you're working on aside, what can they do? How can they report their sales manually or, or you know, what options do they have or do they not have any if they're not with a distributor that reports directly? Uh, there's actually one option. So you can do venue sales are, have, are a different kind of beast because sure. of the 
there's rules around it in terms of reconciliation with the venue and that kind of stuff. But currently, there is a uh, exclusivity to a company called Ad Venue. So it's a companion app that you could download onto your phone. You could still use the Shopify point of sale system if you'd like, and then uh-huh. take those sales and manually enter them into the Ad Venue app, uh-huh. and they will report those sales uh, from the venue. Got it. Okay. And all the, you know, the UPC code or whatever, that is what you're taking, right? For, ultimately, it's the UPC code? Yeah, it's the UPC or an ISRC. Got it. So if somebody goes to, say, CD Baby to set up, you know, their album for digital distribution and they get the UPC code uh, at that time, that one code will work for all the different systems. And there's no there's nothing lost, essentially. No one's, you know, nothing. They're not getting split into different, um, you know, different reports or different albums effectively. Now, it's very unlikely for an independent artist because you're going to be using one SKU or one UPC of, of like, let's just say you print a black vinyl, that's one UPC. You could, in theory, print a different color vinyl and use a different UPC. Right. But the rules are you can you can use the same UPC for the same music. The vast majority, I think, of larger artists split up those UPCs for tracking purposes, and you can tell like which of what particular album sold, and you can just right. get kind of some advanced stats like that. Right, right, got it. Um, so, okay. So again, you know, I know you're only, only so familiar with, with what I teach and what I do, but I I am sort of an outlier. I mean, I guess that's becoming less and less the case as more and more people start to teach this stuff. But I like, I've developed my own WordPress theme and I do things a little bit different, certainly than the mainstream music industry and Shopify. While I think it's a, a pretty elegant platform and has a lot of great things, it's not my personal platform of choice simply because I want a little more control. I don't, generally like website builders you know i like to be able to um, create certain types of landing pages and and do some things that i i uh uh, that any website builder I find is just a little bit too rigid to do. Um, however, um, you can still use Shopify in an existing website and integrate with your app, or at least I assume the integrations would all still work. Um, is that correct? Do you do you want to speak to that? I, I do know sort of how it works, but um, you'd be more interesting to listen to in terms of in terms of just taking those those basically you know the the buy now buttons and integrating that way with yeah, your existing yeah. website. Yeah, it's, we're definitely compatible with it. We've actually had a few artists use that method. So to kind of give a little background of what we're talking about, there is a method of using a kind of a, a version of Shopify. It's called Shopify Lite, and it's where you don't require having a storefront, but it allows you to create an embeddable store or basically through widgets, just like you would embed a YouTube video or something like that into any website. Right. So you can use a Shopify backing backend to put it on WordPress or Squarespace or any of those. And to touch on it, it was a conversation that we had earlier, uh, just before the call, was talking about how we we do plan on integrating with additional platforms, WooCommerce and Magento and other ones in time. We just want to really make sure that we're getting it right and starting with Shopify based on where we just saw trends and things going. But we yeah, we sure. want to be able to be backing for anybody. So, and I and I can completely. I come from the world of building my own websites for for that agency for ten years, and right. um, being just from a from a code perspective. So I like the freedom too. I will say that in time, Shopify has definitely opened up to where you can mess with their layouts, and if you know how to do some development work like you or I, then you definitely can customize it pretty well. Sure. And so we kind of try to be as plug and play with. We've got a developer mode and all that fun stuff too. So, but for the most part, yeah, you can, you could in theory still use us and artists have on a WordPress site or a Squarespace site or Wix or whatever, just by using the Shopify buy buttons. But like I said before, we plan on integrating with those directly, hopefully soon. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that'd be my, um, that'd be my choice. And I bring all of this up because I, I, you know, I do have thousands of people that have gone through my training and I think some of them may be listening at least to the beginning part of our conversation going, well, why are you talking about Shopify? You told me to set things yeah, up through, exactly. through PayPal. And it's not that um, my opinions have really changed. I and mean, one of the things like we talked about before going into this, you know, as an educator, I'm tasked with needing to teach one strategy that will work for thousands of different musicians in different situations and different genres and different technical levels 
levels of, of, of experience and comprehension. And so I tend to use um, platforms that are that don't require any additional costs and that uh, sure. I, I can build custom tools for so that people can press a few buttons and get everything up and running. And to that end, I've historically taught people to use PayPal because, again, it's there's, there's no monthly fee. Uh, there's really no barrier of entry and it will basically work for everyone no matter what country you're in. But it is clunky. You know, there's no question about it. It's not it's not, I don't recommend it because it's the optimal shopping cart. I recommend it because it, it <laughs> sure. does it does work um, and it will work for everyone. And again, I think when people are new to this stuff, those those monthly fees, they they niggle at them and it's like, oh, another thirty dollars, another thirty dollars. And if they're not up, sure. and, up and running and making money yet, um, they can often get scared off of a platform before they've even learned to master it simply because of those costs. So I focus on what I focus on. No, but and, I, and, oh, sorry, go on. No, no, no. And I, I, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, I completely agree with you. There's definitely when it comes to the point to where uh, something's got to fit for where you are in your career and what right. is going to actually work for you. And I think that a lot of that too, and part of what our business model has been is why we don't like we don't touch any we don't do it based on a percentage like Play Music did and all that kind of stuff because we worked out with a platform that handles the physical side of things right right so we just said like half the time is people asking us questions about Shopify and it's a great company and we know it really well and we have a fantastic relationship with them so clearly we'll recommend them because that's what we work sure, with too sure. but we understand that we, we don't want to be pigeonholed into any particular singular platform in time And but right now I think we, we just thought that's what it was so <clears throat> the other part of all of that is basically we just want to make sure that the artists are get, keeping more of their revenue. So much like you say, the, the PayPal thing to mm -hmm. where they don't take a percentage of it. And right. uh, it's a similar thing to where on the, the Shopify side of things, like if you don't have the capacity to set up your own store, or like spin up a website or something like that, that's where a, a Shopify could come in. Or if you're at a medium tier artist or you're, you're selling enough to where you can sell more than, all right, so if you look at some of the other platforms that are out there that take a percentage of your physical merchandise, you could be selling items that are 30, 40, 50 bucks and that's th 3, 4, 5 dollars per unit mm -hmm. where you, you if you're on a platform like Shopify and you're integrating a system like Single, we don't take a percentage of the physical merchandise and that is just Shopify. Right. So, once you reach a certain tier, you're selling let's just say 10 t-shirts or 15 t-shirts that effectively would have paid for your Shopify subscriptions. If you're selling more than that, everything off the top is good at that point. Sure. So I think you're completely right. You kind of, you graduate in my opinion, into different tiers of things that work best for you. Mm -hmm. And starting out with PayPal is a fantastic solution. And then you can move on to you're doing self-fulfillment in something like Shopify. And then you can, Eventually, you could work with a merchandiser or something like that. And so you kind of just move up the tiers. Right, right. Yeah, the way I would personally be using it if I if I was to begin, and I haven't, in all honesty, begun using Shopify. I have been playing with it and testing and doing some experiment. Precisely the whole reason is because of your plugin, to be honest, um, because it's it's so reporting is so essential for artists and there's really no no other way to do it or no, no easier way to do it. Um, uh, but the way I would be doing it is doing the Shop, uh, Shopify Lite option that you mentioned, and I would be taking. And again, I say this more for the listeners um, than you, but but I'd be taking the the buy now button and a simply a simply swapping out the buy now button that comes with uh, uh, or that you would be using if you were using PayPal. And I'm not, um, and this is so counter to probably what you're used to hearing in the way you're used to seeing artists operate. Like I'm not a big fan of stores. I mean, again, there. Can, there's a place for them. I'm much more about it's, you know, direct response marketing. It's really about funneling that attention towards one action. And then once they've taken that action, funneling their attention towards one action. And for me, that means limiting options. I don't like to send people to a, sh a store with 30 options in it. Totally. Um, unless they're tiers of the same basic product. But I like to, but I like to send them to one album and say, please buy this. And then once you've bought that, now how yeah, about yeah, buy this? Exactly. And, and I find that when you limit options, you know, you're conversions go up and most direct response marketers do. Um, so I like the, I like, for me, I would be um, negating the store, and I say this, but there's you know there's exceptions to everything. Um, but using the buy now button, I think that that's a great way to 
to do it. Um, I think Shopify is elegant. It works very well. Um, and it's, it, I think in terms of card abandonment, uh, issues and things like that, Shopify is, you know, far better than something like, like PayPal. But, but with my, my system, which doesn't, sell immediately or doesn't put a lot of emphasis on sell, selling immediately the sales take place deeper in the funnel the the, sure. the the elegance of the shopping cart is a little less important than something like e-commerce where we're, we're getting those impulse purchases and difficulty in the shopping cart can scare customers off it doesn't happen as much um, with with a, a, a more long-term approach um, still uh, I do I do think and I would have switched already if it wasn't for one crucial thing, which they Shopify hasn't solved yet. I'm just curious. I say this again, half for the listeners, but also curious if you have any thoughts on it, which is just that they don't have an elegant upsell solution. And that's a big part of profitability for my, my, my people, you know, the, my customers and clients, and yeah, students absolutely. where they buy an album and then they're presented with a chance to buy a box set. And I know if, again, for the listeners, Shopify does have some upsell plugins, but they don't redirect to a custom thank you page. So you can't customize the experience, um, and focus that attention towards, towards the offer as well as as uh, you can when it's all done through, let's say, even something as simple as a PayPal redirect after purchase. With with Shopify, they have these little sort of pop-ups and things like that that kind of happen on the screen. Um, but again, there's there's a lot less copy. I mean, what are your what are your thoughts on that in terms of the the lack of an upsell with a platform like Shopify? Sure. Uh I mean, obviously there's tons of the, like you said, there's tons of plugins that are on there right now that all serve different purposes for upsell stuff. And what our vision has always been is talking directly to artists and marketers and people that work in the industry, just like yourself and merchandisers and figuring out what solutions we can build to solve these problems. Right. Like we work in such a unique industry in terms of how sales happen and how the funnels work and everything from, like, I mean, I talk to merchandisers and they're talking about how inventory is different when it comes to music, when you're just selling any other product. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I mean, it's a very kind of political way to, to answer your question is that I don't have a good answer for sure, that sure. question. But, but one of the things that I, I say is anytime that somebody has an issue like that, I would love to hear what the solution is in your mind for that or what is lacking. And then my we're a business. So the thing right. for us is, is we like to build things that people need and we don't know what people need unless they basically tell us. Right. Cause we're, so we go around and we just say, okay, what issues are you having? What, what can we solve for you? And then of course we, we monetize those cause we're a business, but we, we try to monetize them to where it's all based on usage and we're not gouging anybody. So, mm-hmm. uh, there's there's solutions up there. They might not be the best, and oftentimes when they're not doing up to snuff for our industry, that's when we try to come in and build the solutions for those. Right, right. Well, I know that to my to me to my mind or the the first thing I'm asking any shopping cart or payment solution is, do you have custom redirects after the order? Because uh, and again, I don't I don't know all of the reasons why people do what they do, but my assumption with Shopify, like many shopping carts, is they don't because they're dealing with so many people. They need to cover themselves on a few legal things. They need to ensure that certain sure. language is there, and they probably want to avoid having you know a, a human reviewer of those pages um, to ensure that it is. Um, but again, like the the upsell solutions that I've personally seen are things like little windows that pop up, but you're still on that Shopify receipt page and the one thing that I I protect myself against and and students for that matter um, in any it just in general with this process is if I'm gonna go and make a sale I want that to be my customer not iTunes customer or or Apple's customer yeah, or, exactly. or 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 Bandcamp's customer or some you know I don't want to feed somebody else's business I I want them to be creating solutions that are good for me and I think that a lot of solutions dip their hands into my business and benefit from that hard work that I did to get the sale and by limiting my access to a, a custom redirect page they're keeping their branding their links their shopping recommendations potentially I don't know that Shopify does that one but uh, many services do. 
you know um and those that's yeah what, i'm in complete agreement with you yeah well i'm i'm i'm, I'm telling you because you said you'd like to hear it so <laughs> this is this is one, one, <laughs> yeah. one artist giving you my vote is is if and again i know you're not shopify and this is a shopify policy but that is to my mind the only thing that has stopped me from just jumping into the shopping uh the shopify uh, uh, world more more completely is that lack of a, a redirect to my own thank you page. So it would seem to me, and again, I don't know how their system works, but something as simple as a an an iframed little little uh, bit of text that pulled your own fonts at the top of your of your custom thank you page would take care of the legalities and and um, maybe cover. Well, their I think on one of the issues redirect. what they do is. Uh, and I think what a part of one of that problem is going to be is they they relegate the orders pages to a higher tier mm-hmm. of plan. So to edit the code on that, that's actually something that I probably the reason why the vast majority of those apps aren't the like haven't done what you're looking for is because so that and this gets into like kind of the technical weeds of it. But there's there's the like the enterprise plan for Shopify mm-hmm. and. All right, so when you have when you're creating an app for Shopify, you have the ability to it's they're called liquid templates. It's what's okay. the actual like templating language behind the scenes. Got it. And you can access basically everything in the theme, mm-hmm. but the only way that you can access the liquid template for that orders page that mm-hmm. is theirs effectively is if you're on an enterprise like it's an extremely expensive tier. Right. And it's and so uh so part of what you can do on their checkout pages is in theory, you could use like a JavaScript redirect and you could actually achieve what you're talking about. I've actually done it so oh, I can show you. Um, so you could definitely do it. So right when somebody hits the like, thank you page, you can do a time JavaScript redirect that will send them like open up another tab and send them directly whatever page you want it to. So it's definitely doable. Okay. And that's not a the, violation of their, of their terms of service. No, because you've got a uh, you, you, there's a, a spot where you can inject code into the orders page, but uh-huh. for us, and I think this is where the the rub comes in with the app trying to create a solution for that. Since it's only available to that like super high enterprise tier, like so, I can tell you from our experience, we've tried. We wanted to do things that would interact with the orders page, but since we, it wasn't part of a one click install, it's not doesn't fit with our mantra of making it as easy as to use as possible right. for the artist. Right, sure. So otherwise you could like there's definitely different instructions or if you look at different apps, it's like, hey, why don't you just take this code snippet and paste it here and like you're 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 getting people to mess with the the cart like, you know, it's one of those things where you don't really want to have people doing yeah, that if they don't yeah. know what they're doing. Yeah. So yeah. we we've kind of moved against that too. But it is possible to inject code into that cart page using their it's a built-in system for them and it'll inject it and you can put a javascript redirect in there and you can you could in theory send it to whatever page you wanted that's really interesting yeah i did i did reach out to them and speak with them a bit about um this this problem you know that that was at least a problem for me and uh, they said unfortunately you know all you have is the apps but probably for the reasons that you suggested i'm sure they're aware of it but just don't really want people messing with it unless they they are confident they know what they're doing developers and such um and it's not and it sort of goes against the elegance of the platform as well you know that's another real reason to use it is it's clean it's elegant it works well um it's easy for consumers to use and when you start opening up windows and new tabs and things like that you lose you lose some of that um well let's talk about the practicalities of this um you know well actually just to kind of wrap that up and again more for the listeners if one you know one of the obvious sort of uh, arguments, I guess, in favor of something like Shopify is that while I do think it's ideal uh, to redirect to a custom thank you page, and I do personally, I'm not 100% ready to, you know, abandon that. I do think that you can still probably make up 80% of your losses by using one of the upsell apps and maybe your conversion rate's not quite as strong. You know, I pretty consistently see 20 to 30% conversion rates on upsells with artists. Um, Of course, there are exceptions, but that's a pretty solid rate. So maybe it drops to 15% or something like that. But, you know, by adding a little bit of a, a, a sort of mini funnel, a post customer funnel where you push the upsell for another week after the purchase coupled with 
a perhaps not quite as optimized upsell app, I think people could probably accomplish something that worked just about as well. Um, so, so I do, th- and, and, you know, at the very least one could use, uh, uh, Shopify and the single solution, uh, the single music app solution for their releases so that they're making sure that they at least chart during those, those crucial releases and, and get those big numbers that they're going to get in the first few weeks, um, recorded when it, when it really counts. Um, even if they abandoned it for their more evergreen marketing, um, you know, down the line. So I think there are certainly possibilities there. And, uh, but let's talk about uh, the practicalities of this. What is, if somebody who is currently got their own website and is happy with it, and I don't frankly personally urge people to, if they're using one of my themes and it's converting well for them, I don't urge people to move away from them. Um, but, uh, I agree. But, but, uh, uh, if they want to abandon PayPal and switch to, uh, something like Shopify and use, uh, single music to report to SoundScan, what's it going to cost them between both solutions? So Shopify obviously has their own tiers. Uh, I think the the cost is like 29 bucks a month. So it's kind of like Squarespace's um, so like same cost as their commerce tier. Uh-huh. And then single has, we have basically two business models. So one is for, to report physical sales on from that store, it's 10 bucks a month. So now you're looking at 39 bucks a month mm-hmm. for uh, having a storefront, it's basically a website. Having a, you can run your whole website off of it. So you can have a, a website and have this have it be your storefront and have it report physical sales. And then our digital side of things is a usage-based system. That's really what we try to do is price it in line with something like Bandcamp, but do it at a fixed rate. So we're not taking a percentage of the overall total. Uh-huh. So we do it at 15 cents per track capped at $2 per album. So okay. you could have any, so if it's 13 tracks or above, it's going to be two bucks. If it's anything below that, you're only paying for the amount of tracks on the album. Okay. So if you're selling a single, it would be 15 cents. If you're selling an EP with, two tracks it's 30 cents and so it goes up but it gets capped at two bucks got it um now is there any kind of overall cap on that because what is that that's a dollar that's about 15 percent of their of the average album um you know if it's a 10 song album selling for 10 bucks um uh and you know and that's that's something to consider in all honesty um is there any kind of cap is there any kind of different tier you know what about these artists that are selling um 3000 units in the first week of their, of their launch they're you know, and they're going to have to do the math and figure out, is it worth, is the perhaps, you know, is it worth it for them to, to go away from PayPal and they're and not reporting for that matter, um, uh, to switch to your, to your system? Um, you know, are there any monthly sure. caps or, or things? To, no, I, there's add? not monthly caps. I mean, the main thing is, is we've, and we actually about 60% of our artists are about a list top tier artists and we've moved 40,000 units during a pre-order for them. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that we end up touting is like, look, we're not taking any portion. All right. So the vast majority of people, if they're not going through setting up a PayPal solution and that kind of thing, is they're using a band camp or a pledge or that kind of thing. And they're taking 10 to 15% off the top of your physical sales. Sure. So that you could be selling something that's way more expensive. So they're spending more. So we don't have a cap because we're only monetizing the digital side of things. If you're just selling physical records, it's 10 bucks. And the the digital side of things, we're obviously we're handling the distribution and the scheduling and the delivery and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we try to make it to where we'll only we only monetize that side of things. And so there's not a cap on that or anything like that. But where where we think we provide the most value is the vast majority of artists are making their money based off of physical merchandise. And in terms of like actually has your, your best profit margins on it. And that's what we just don't touch. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think in the traditional sort of more mainstream music industry, that's probably completely true. I, you'd be surprised by some of the numbers of some of the people that kind of take this approach. They are, you know, not everyone, but many are selling thousands of units, um, digital units 
through their own setup. So it, it can add up, but I, I do certainly understand. And, and if you're going to be selling through iTunes, you're going to, you know, you're going to be, well, I, I know iTunes is a, about to be gone basically but uh for sales and downloads. Yeah. but but uh you know if you're selling through any of these other platforms you're going to be paying something as well um and uh and 30 percent so we're at least half the price of yeah, those and yeah. i mean the, the big thing for us is since we handle the distribution of like lossless audio the way that i see kind of the future of it is look out downloads are probably gonna they're gonna go down as things move to streaming but in our from my view and position, it doesn't make much sense to build another storefront to say, hey, come to us as opposed to going to Bandcamp or iTunes or that kind of thing. I would much rather see fans going and paying the artist directly from their own store, and then we just exist in the background to deliver lossless audio in the highest quality straight from the source. Right, right. So it, it's just a little bit of a different idea around it, too. And so the other part of it as well is just like you've got the other services and some of those other services that can no longer report are specifically because of violating rules around digital. And so part of the cost that artists are paying us is to making sure that we maintain compliance. We also support your fans. So if you don't want to take on that customer support, we will around mm-hmm. digital stuff. So we kind of try to act as an extension of the artist or and act as their digital team, help them set it up, all sure. that kind of stuff. It's really similar to like a, how a distributor works. Right. sending things to the, the DSPs. We're kind of like a distributor and a DSP baked into one all-direct-to-consumer. Right, right. That makes sense. Uh, it sounds pretty good. And, you know, and obviously it's the whole reason we're talking about we did just kind of brush over it. In addition to all that, of course, you're getting reporting, um, you know, for, for those uh, for those albums. And for many, that, that fee, you know, is, is worth it um, for that fact alone. Um so what we're so okay so ten dollar ten dollar cap uh thirty bucks approximately depending on the plan for uh, shopify and then uh 15 cents a track uh for the digital delivery and everything is handled automatically for them and and they're away is that is that the size of it and and you guys deliver via the shopify receipt the actual album gets delivered uh, we deliver through in a white labeled email. So Got it comes it. from, it matches the order number and all that stuff, but it comes directly from them. And we're about, actually about to launch a service that will allow artists to bundle things like pre-saves and follows and other stuff on the streaming services with physical product too. Got it. And that's actually going to be compatible with our, our digital tools. So we've got some things that, I mean, we, we don't want to, the way that we overall want to see it is that we've got a suite of services so an artist can pick and choose what parts of our offerings that they want to use sure, that, that sure. serves their marketing. And so that could be everything from a pre-save campaign that's attached to a t-shirt or being able to do an Instagram track that also pre-saves the record with the vinyl, all that kind of stuff. So you could kind of pick and choose. Um, yeah. Right, right. And what about email integration? So I'm a I'm a huge uh, Aweber uh, fan, and I sort of uh, urge my people in that direction. Uh, I like their feature set for direct response marketing more than the others. But I do have a lot of people that, of course, with Mailchimp as well. Um, and what? Uh, uh, yeah, my current setup again. And there's so many ways you can do it, but the current sort of default setup is something through PayPal. And then I use the PayPal integration to add a customer to the customer list within Aweber. And then that welcome email that you have in Aweber is what delivers their purchase, delivers those tracks um, or any kind of receipt or information that you ultimately want to send people. What, uh, you know, uh, does your system or do you know, I guess it would be a more of a Shopify um, thing, wouldn't it? I mean, what kind of integrations do you know of that would ultimately accomplish the same thing? They've got their whole app, like I said, they got their app environment, but I do know they just had some massive falling out with MailChimp, so I don't know where that is landing. Gotcha. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, at any point, obviously, you can export the data from either, actually, you can export data from Single directly, but you can export it from Shopify as well. And you can have that, dump that into Aweber, whatever service that you choose to use. So I, that for that particular question, you're right. I would probably say look at what their direct integrations are. But oftentimes right. when somebody purchases something, so like how our system interacts with it too is we uh, we actually use SendGrid to back up our stuff. But right. what we do is like so somebody, if they purchase something, it sends us the notifications via the API. Our system then sends out an automated email from us. So it's it's not you don't have to do any of the connecting of the emails. We take care of all that stuff too. 
the only piece that you would end up using uh, an app for is connecting it to your store. So when somebody buys something, it's automatically getting fed into a particular mailing list or something like that. Sure, sure. And I'd be shocked if there isn't some AWeber and or MailChimp um, uh, integration directly with Shopify. I'm sure I looked into it. I just honestly can't remember. And if there's not, there'll be a Zapier integration that you know you can use. I'm yeah, sure, exactly. Sure there's a way to do yeah. it. Um, all right. So one, one, yeah, one last uh, sort of question. So one of the areas that I'm slowly uh, inching towards is, um, um, well, actually, let me back up a little and say that despite what, again, the mainstream music industry is reporting to bloggers that are feeding to musicians about how, you know, album sales are dead. And we, we know industry wide, they're obviously way, way down. They're still something like $150 million worth of albums being sold each year. But we know, we know, yeah, exactly. we know they're way down. Um, but again, the, one of the things that I'm always talking about with, with my folks is the, the, the issue here, the thing that I think the mainstream music industry and the industry bloggers don't necessarily understand is that the buying triggers in the mainstream music industry are very different than the buying triggers in, in, in this, with, when it comes to independent music in the sense that fans of independent music buy usually because they have a direct relationship with that artist. Fans of mainstream music buy because the market is saturated with a song and that tipping point of, of awareness and, and um, de- sort of a desire, I suppose, has been ultimately created. Um, and when you don't have that interpersonal relationship, um, people are much less inclined to buy. And when they didn't have to and they could download it illegally, they were happy to do it because they didn't feel a responsibility to that artist. And now with streaming being as, as prevalent as it is, um, people are are very happy to just go, is it on Spotify? If it's not, they're not going to listen to it. But when you're on an artist mailing list, when you've gone and seen them in a show, when you've read a thousand word blog post or watched you know, several of their videos and you know their story and who they are and they ask for a little bit of support, if you, if you become part of their tribe, you're going to spend money pretty much however they ask you to spend it. Well, you know, one part because you want what they're offering, another part just out of reciprocity um, because you feel some some bond with that artist. And uh, to that end, I'm a big believer that uh, sales are not going anywhere, that, al- that, that, you know, the album as we know it may continue to change, downloads as we know them may, may continue to, to go down in terms of um, purchases. But when you have a tribe, when you have a mailing list, if you have an audience, I think you will forever be able to monetize your relationship with that audience through direct sales. And I think more and more artists are going to start to look at those streaming numbers, you know, the artists that aren't generating millions of streams per month, but still have thousands of of rabid fans are are looking at their numbers going, this isn't making sense. And more and more of them are going to, um, you know, right now they're all saying touring is all that makes sense, but they're going to start to realize but if you send an email to those people or or run an ad campaign to let them know that you're selling something, they will buy. Um, so one of the areas that I'm more and more focused on or looking at is how to how to change the definition of uh, well, not the definition of an album, but but I'm taking looks at how we sell music. And to me, I'm looking at progressive web apps and as as uh, simple. Uh, mediums for creating membership sites and things like that for musicians. So let's say I've done that. Let's say I've got a membership site. How I've not looked into this with something like Shopify. And my question is twofold. And I, I'm sorry to keep asking you Shopify questions. It's just that that's the sort of <laughs> that's, gate, right, no that's the gateway to your product. Um, uh, okay. But but how would something like a membership site, a password, you're buying access to a password protected members area that is comes preloaded with music um, and all kinds of content. How would something like that or could something like that work through Shopify? And then what limitations might there be or are there any limitations with um, your service? Like could somebody sell access to a membership site and get the get an album to ultimately be counted towards um, SoundScan so long as they positioned you know, the offer correctly, like buy the album now and, or pay for access to this membership site and get this album, you know, how, how could one yeah, position have to, some of the, yeah. Cause when it gets into the membership stuff, that is definitely the rules are a little mm-hmm. bit murkier. Sure. Um, but that being said, so yeah, if it's positioned correctly or if you're following the standard rules is the best of that we know of, then obviously we'll report those sales. Right. Um, but I, 
So uh, yeah, on Shopify, there is the ability to have users can can log into the site. You can uh, you could sell access to that too. So you could create a member portal in there, and then you could do everything from discounting it to, to zero for anybody that's logged in. You mm-hmm. could do anything from giving them a code that's like, hey, you get 50% off, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think what, and I, and I can completely agree and, and attest through just even our data that everything it still sells. Music yeah. still sells. Totally. Uh, both phys- physically and, I, I mean, so even for me, I can say from my own personal experience, that I still, I don't buy like t-shirts and stuff anymore, but I buy art prints. So I, if I like an artist, I'll definitely buy the print when I go to the show. And that's some of the things that I try to find and and everything you were saying about like me being, I'll still listen to the popular music, but I pretty much don't buy their stuff. I buy the smaller guys. Right. Totally. So uh, I think the limitations that you would ever have in, in, to to get back to your question would be making sure that you're following the rules around Mm -hmm those sales i know that subscriptions to a particular artist are a little bit murky and i don't think that they'll allow those to go through um but i think that if you position it around i mean obviously that's what the bundling stuff is like hey here's an you could same use the same example here's an art print and then that comes like that's with the record as well too um and so you could set something up to where people can get in there and then, but if they're buying it or uh, they, they buy some buy access to that area that comes with the record, I don't see how that would be a problem. And then once they're in that area, they can have access to discounted other merchandise. Mm-hmm. So you're using the, the album sale as a key to get into a membership area that then gives you discounted or like pre-sale tickets or discounted right. merchandise or some stuff like that. So you're using the album as the incentive Mm-hmm. And then you're moving, you're, you're moving your music, and you're giving them access, your your biggest fan, to access to a perk for having supported you. Right. So I think there's a lot of creative ways that we've seen people utilizing it. I mean, obviously, you can. There's the, the age-old pre-order, and then the the crowdfund, and all that kind of stuff too. But I, I think what it really comes back to, more than anything else, is creating unique offerings for your fans. And those will sell so much better than a t-shirt with the name of the album on it, or even just like, and I can tell you from, since working with a lot of large artists, we've seen independent artists that have moved thousands of units because they have done just actually creative merchandise. And then I've seen artists that, and I'm not going to name any names, but you know who they are Mm -hmm. and they've sold 20 albums because, or they've, and they've sold, almost no physical merchandise because it's just the logo of the album right on the blank sweatshirt. So it's kind of lazy. Right. People can see that. So if if you put as much effort into what you're offering, both in the creativity of the offering, just like you said, like a membership through the album and that kind of stuff, or if you're actually putting out things like we've, we've had artists that moved a ton of flasks and keychains and branded playing cards. And I, the company that I used to work for at one point put out tea bags, like custom tea for huh. an artist and, and all that stuff moves because it's, it's more personal yeah. and it for, for any, and obviously like it, it takes some capital to, to really go all out for the, some of that sure, stuff, Sure, but you can come up with some creative ways that you can find things to sell and find things to offer that your fans will gravitate towards that just aren't the traditional t-shirt. Right. Right. I totally agree. Um, and, but one of the, just to go back to the positioning thing, because I don't know the rules around the whole uh, buy a t-shirt and, and, and get the album bundled with it and then still make that count. Um, with what are the rules around that? Because it would seem that they somewhat apply. Uh, with, I wouldn't think that the language could be buy a t-shirt and get the album. I would think it would have to be buy the album and get a t-shirt and, or am I mistaken? So, I mean, it's their rules. It's not mine. Yeah, so it's yeah. all, and they're fairly, like I said before, they're fairly opaque. So we try to be as compliant as we can with them. So to to kind of shed a little light on the behind the scenes of it. So we had talked to Nielsen for a long time about how, whether or not it was going to be based on redemption, meaning mm-hmm. the intent to purchase somebody actually clicks the link to download it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was some back and forth between the industry and the labels and stuff. And then a few months later found out that now it's just any time that it gets attached 
you a physical product, then that that is what counts. So okay. we're just going based off of what we get told, <laughs> to mm-hmm. be quite honest. Right. And so we, we build into those rules. So our system is capable of doing it based on the, the intent and download. But as of right now, the rules are that if you attach a digital record to a physical product and it sells, then it counts as a scan. What about attaching a physical product to a digital um, product? Uh, because because that w- would seemingly be a solution. But pay for the members area and get a and get a copy of the album sent to you, for example. Yeah, in theory, I mean, it sounds like that's just another perk as part of a bundle. In, right. From right. my view, it would just be you can have access. You get a member only. That's kind of right, so. It's if you think of the pledge kind of thing, it's the mm. access pass, and the yeah. access pass was really just an album, but. If you look at it the same way, you could say, look, you can have an access pass or something like that on your site. That access actually gives you discounts or other perks or whatever. And then uh, you here's the album as well. And then that would scan. I mean, the only rule that I could say, you can't, like, if you're to take a vinyl and a digital, that's only sure. one scan. Yeah, yeah. So you, you that's, it doesn't count as two. But for the other one, uh, like, actually bundling those things together, I, I don't see how that would necessarily be a problem but i will say that the vast majority of fans don't see a value and this just comes from my experience for the past 10 years working on the fan club and the website side of things right they're not typically interested in paying additional for any digital good like meaning the if a fan club or having it like a, a perk system shouldn't just be like special pictures or right. yeah, no, video totally. uh, even because they wanted that, that stuff should just be on Instagram and YouTube and all that kind of thing. So if you're gonna have any kind of behind the scenes thing, it's got to be for perks like getting pre-sale tickets or getting a discount on other merchandise or like actual rewards for tangible goods outside of just another thing that they could look up on YouTube. Totally, totally. No, the way I'm more envisioning envisioning these members areas are the the are the albums are released to this community. Like if you want the music, you pay X amount for the year or, or a smaller monthly payment. I like annual payments myself, but, um, but you pay, let's say 30 bucks for the year and every month a new song is related, uh, released. So very Patreon style, but again, within your own system that you can control, add additional functionality, do private live streams and all that kind of stuff. And again, um, sure. uh, control it all and deliver it all via a, um, uh, a progressive web app uh, so no apple itunes store or any of that pain in the butt stuff um but yet people can no. download it and it can all be relatively preloaded i mean it wouldn't the browsers wouldn't be able to store the entire song but it'd be there effectively for streaming uh with download links below it is more how i'm i'm envisioning it um but um but yeah but uh, you are well, you're giving me ideas at the very least mm, yeah yeah uh, <laughs> we're gonna have to talk after we're done recording <laughs> Um, but, but, uh, one final question and then I will let you go as, uh, as what about, so something else that's grown in popularity in the last few years, and, and I'm pretty sure that this is almost solely due to, uh, a, 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 a ex sort of not ex, but a student of mine who's gone on to just, you know, he's a master marketer himself these days, um, from the empty pockets he's been on the uh, uh this is josh solomon he's been on the show a few times before and he's big on the free for shipping and handling offer and many artists have are, are following suit so it's just sort of a modified version of what i do uh but instead of giving away free music initially they're doing sort of a free for shipping and handling um kind of thing what are the what are the limitations with something like that when it comes to reporting where someone's paying, say, you know, five or six dollars for shipping and handling, but they're getting the album, can they count those? How does that? So work? the uh, the rule for is it has to be. I mean, this is not going to have to get me to quote them, but <laughs> I think it's three forty nine for the first three weeks. So an album has to cost at least three forty nine for it to count, and a, a track has to be thirty cents, something like that. So those, got it. You got. I can have to go back and look at our site we've got all the rules written down uh but yeah it's something like that so the the shipping is not calculated into it so mm-hmm. that doesn't doesn't really necessarily matter it's just the cost of the unit of the album and um, and that one i know is 349 so as long as you're selling the record for 349 you could make the shipping be whatever you wanted to and, and that should be fine got it got it great um well any any sort of parting words or advice i mean again you've got a unique perspective and insight uh into 
sort of the, I guess, the, the commerce of selling music. Any, any parting words for musicians, things you've seen work? Uh, you know, if, my, if your nephew uh, comes along and says, I want to be a rock star, what's your advice for, for the guy or gal? I think uh, coming from an entrepreneur perspective, I think it's just go for it. I mean, the I was the kind of person that I wanted to be a musician, and then because I didn't feel like I was good enough or I just didn't have the, uh, I don't know, didn't have whatever it took to for me to think that like I could make it in that. So then mm-hmm. I became an entrepreneur for whatever reason. <laughs> I thought that right, that would right. be uh, an easier thing. But I, I just think the biggest thing is just much there's there's a lot of parallels between being an entrepreneur and being a, an artist because you are your own business and you're trying to run your own thing and so both it's stay true to yourself so in our perspective it's we try to stay, stay true to artists and make it our business be as fair as as we can make it be to artists and then from an artist perspective be stay true to, to yourself and your art and all that kind of stuff too but just go for it and mm-hmm. understand that it's going to be really hard at times and sure. Just like starting a business is really hard at times. You're going to hit the floor and people are going to say no, but you just kind of have to keep going at it until the the more you're going to obviously going to get a lot of no's and then over time you'll get more wins and then those wins build up and then nobody becomes a success overnight. So stick with it. There's a lot of tools out there. Find ways, find the people that are trying to work with you and make you successful and trust your gut and then just go for it. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much. I uh, really appreciate you uh, being here today, taking time out of your day to chat with us. And uh, yeah, if, if anyone listening uh, is hoping to get make those sales count on SoundScan, I think uh, single music is going to be uh, the best way to do it. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can market your music using the direct-to-fan strategies discussed on this show, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Once again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com.